It is a joy to be with you uh, as a fellow survivor of Christmas. It's, it's dangerous out there, and it seems like a few of us didn't make it back this Sunday. So <laughs> pour some eggnog out for those who didn't make it. Um, let's jump back in to the, the familiar Christmas story, because we've still, we've got some Christmas to go. We've got 12 whole days of that. We did our uh, month of Advent. Now we get to hang out in Christmas for a while. We did the work. Now we get to reap that reward for a bit. So jumping back in at Luke chapter 2, this will be familiar. In those days, Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And the, the next verse, verse 3 says, and everyone went to their own town to be registered. Just like that. And everyone went. The whole world. You see, the world of Jesus' day was ruled by the Roman Empire, a massive economic and military superpower that had used its might to conquer the map. From England to India, the empire reigned and was ruled by a succession of leaders called the Caesars. The Caesars were at the very center of this political, military, economic, and religious system that had come to govern the world. And from this place of power, they made demands. The demand of the Roman imperial cult was that Caesar would be the center of Roman lives. When you engaged in commerce, buying or selling, when you went to the theater, when you went to the port, when you went to the bath, when you went to a place of worship, politics was expected to be the center of the average citizen's world. Wherever you went and whatever you did, you were expected to give attention to Caesar, to give honor to Caesar, and to give worship to Caesar. And why not? They were the emperors, and they were gods. In fact, they created a whole new vocabulary to help the citizens integrate the imperial cult, the worship of the emperor, into all aspects of their lives. When the first Caesar, Julius, died, a comet appeared in the sky, and the people were told that this heavenly body was, in fact, Caesar, the Son of God, ascending to the right hand of the gods in heaven. Sound familiar? You might have heard something like that before. How about this from his son, Augustus Caesar, who proclaimed that he was the son of God, sent to earth to bring about a reign of peace and prosperity upon the earth. One of his most popular slogans read like this. There is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved other than that of Caesar. Augustus also created a 12-day-long celebration Every year to celebrate his birth, he called this the advent of Caesar. Many Roman cities during this time, it became custom and, in fact, in some places compulsory to greet one another with the phrase, Caesar is Lord. Emperor Domitian had printed on the currency bearing his image on his coinage over his face read, King of Kings, over an image of him sitting enthroned upon the world. Centers of worship for the Caesars often contain titles for the God Kings, such as Prince of Peace and Savior of the World. 
when one of these Caesars wanted to spread good news about a recent victory or accomplishment, they would send couriers to all the cities of the empire, to the very ends of the earth, to deliver a special announcement called a euangelion. Everyone say euangelion. Look at that. You're learning Greek. It's amazing. Euangelion. It means good news. In Old English, it would be translated gospel. In contemporary English, it would be transliterated to evangelical. If you were not a part of the Roman Empire and Caesar's army rolled up to your town, your village, your city, your state, whatever, and you agreed that you would become a Roman and confess that Caesar is Lord, your community accepted Caesar into its lives as the son of God and worshiped him as their savior, the community would receive a special title. Your city, your community would be called an ecclesia. Everyone say ecclesia. You're basically scholars. Y'all are great at this. Ecclesia in English translates to church. The Roman emperors believed that they were the center of the world and expected under penalty of death that you would agree. Now, you probably recognize some of these words and phrases, and indeed you should, because they are all over the Bible. You see, the early church was wise in its use of words. They knew what they were doing when they said that Christ's birth, life, teaching, death, and resurrection was a euangelion, a message of victory that must be taken to all people. They knew what they were doing when they started calling their worshiping communities, communities ecclesias, churches, places where the true king of the world, the king of kings, the son of God, the savior of the world, had been freely accepted and was worshiped. They knew what they were doing when they gave Jesus the titles that were attributed to the emperor. They knew what they were doing when they made one of their earliest statements of faith, Jesus is Lord. They knew what they were doing. In a world where politicians had elevated themselves to divine status, to the center of life, and demanded attention, honor, and worship, the church said no. The church said no, Caesar isn't Lord. Caesar is not the center, and Caesar is not and will not be God. The church said Jesus is Lord. In a world where power was everything, where money and armies decided who was on top and winning was God, the church chose the suffering and crucified peasant Messiah over the divine imperial king of the world. A decision that would make the church vulnerable. A decision that was personally dangerous for any who would make it. To profess that Jesus is Lord was to choose a different way to live, completely outside of the imperial plan for the world. People who make choices against the empire usually end up crucified. Perhaps this is why the early church would pen passages like today's from the second chapter of Philippians. Let's get it up on the screen so we can all see it. Starting at verse 5, the author says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, 
who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a Roman cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's not kid ourselves here at the end of the year. In a lot of ways, 2020 is not going to be fun. Politics, division, pandering, lying, the media, conspiracy, mudslinging, misunderstanding, identity politics, and partisanism, appeals to authority, strawman arguments, money, campaign ads, lots of shouting, and I haven't even got on my list to the disaster that is social media or the break room at work or family gatherings, it seems that politicians have again elevated themselves to demand our full attention. They seem to think that they are the center of the world and demand our time, our energy, our honor, and even our worship. Some of us, including myself, need to confess and repent of our behavior since the start of the 2016 election season. We have become obsessed. We have pledged our allegiances to parties, to candidates, to politicians, to ideologies. For many in our country, these have risen to the level of idolatry. And it has cost us. Are you happier this way? I'm not. How many of us have lost friends over politics in the last few years? How many people have you blocked on social media or stopped talking to at work? How many family relationships have become strained over this stuff? How much energy have we wasted? And not even on true political action, but in fighting and stewing and festering and hating. We of a nation have made an idol of winning. And, and this is so far outside of a Christian ethic that it makes my head spin. It makes me absolutely crazy. And I get it. It feels really good when the other team loses. Whichever team you're on, it's really nice when the other guys lose or make themselves look stupid or get caught in a lie. And it's on both sides and we revel in it. But Christians have always been called to reject the seductive imperial call of idolatrous power in favor of the still small voice of the crucified savior whose victory comes through humility and love rather than power and pride. The church lives alongside the kingdoms of the world, but is subject to a different one. You are forced to live in this world, but you are not forced to play by its rules. Now, don't 
Don't misunderstand me. Our faith is personal, but it is not private. We have a public call on our lives. As the church, we are meant to be active and public participants in the restoration of the world, in creating a more just society, in caring for the weak and showing love to those on the margins. This is the agenda of Jesus, to show the love of God to the world. And this is not a red or blue agenda. It's older than that. It's bigger than that. It's more important than any of that. The mission set before us by Jesus is the most important thing there is. Jesus is the most important voice in the life of the Christian. And all of our actions and decisions should be made through the lens of his law of love. But our nation has made gods, that's with a little g, out of the clowns that play governor on our behalf. Our political teams and ideologies have stolen too high of a seat in the table of our life, and they must be dethroned. So many Christians have tarnished their public witness to the point of near worthlessness in the past four to six months over political allegiances, and it breaks my heart. The words of Jesus from Mark 8 come to my mind. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Politics should not be the most common topic on your social media feed. The president's Twitter should not be the first thing we read when we wake up. Impeachment should not be the most exciting thing in our lives. Where someone does or doesn't get their news should not be a threshold to your respect. We have given the Caesars of our world too much. Too much of our time, too much of our passion, too much of our energy, too much control over our lives. We must dethrone the political in our heart. Folks, the time is right now. 2020 is not going to be a fun year as far as the political landscape is concerned. It will likely be more contentious, more venomous, more heated, and more ugly than 2016 and the years since. So choose today that you will make 2020 a year where you are about the things of the kingdom more than the things of Washington. Choose today that you will make 2020 a year when you care more about the gospel of Christ than the euangelion of your political party. Choose today that you will make 2020 the year when you decide to talk about Jesus more than your political candidate of choice. Choose today that you will make 2020 the year when you stop hoping that your political team could bring the rest of the nation into submission to form an ecclesia and put your hope and energy into Christ's church, local and global. Let's make 2020 the year when we choose to love our neighbor and our enemy, even, even our political enemy. Give Jesus back his seat at the head of the table of your life. Let the words of our reading from Philippians chapter 2 set the tone in your relationships with one another. Have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God power something to use to his advantage, but rather made himself nothing. Taking on the very nature of a servant, 
being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself, being obedient to death, even death on a cross. If we are going to be the people of God in 2020, we must prepare to have the same mindset as Christ when dealing with others. Servants to each other, the church, our community, and to the world. Humble and obedient to our commission as we follow Jesus. And it's still Christmas, so I'd be remiss not to bring in our lit wreath over here. We've spent the last month preparing for Christmas. Let that preparation catapult you into a new year. And let us resolve to make 2020 a year of faith, hope, peace, joy, with Christ at the very center. Let's pray.